Welcome to episode three. Guys, I am super excited to have you here. I feel like each episode I'm getting a little bit more comfortable with the audio stuff. And this episode is particularly special to me because I'm speaking to someone who is a very seasoned podcast host himself. He has had um, a running podcast which is actually like a professional podcast. They've got a whole team and everything called The Rundown. It's a great show if you're into running, even if you're not and you're thinking about getting into running, um, I will definitely be linking that in the show notes. And without further ado, let's get started. You're listening to The Keys to Owning, a real estate show about Canadian property owners, what they wish they knew sooner, their advice, and how they got to where they are today. So today I am interviewing Justin and Justin is just a a sweetheart. He is a very avid runner in the running community in Montreal. So I'm sure if you haven't seen him around on Instagram or literally running through the streets, um, I'm sure you will at some point if you live here or if you're in any major city where they have marathons. Uh, He is a proud owner of two condos. Both were actually bought through the new build program in Montreal. Now, don't worry if you're not from Montreal. Um, We just want to talk about the existence of these programs and inspire you to start looking for the ones that exist in your area. So on that note, let's uh, go ahead and get started and hear what Justin has to say. Hi. Hi. Yeah, so I I just have to say thank you because I don't think I would actually be here uh, or have actually taken the plunge and jumped in if it wasn't for that conversation we had had a few months back. Oh, that's nice. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You know, wasn't having you on to talk about podcasts, but this is, <laughs> <laughs> it's just tempting to kind of catch up and yeah. <laughs> see how you are. Um, so we can dive right into it. Thanks for being on the show. Carol, thanks for having me on. I um, appreciate uh, you taking the time to, to interview me today. Oh, what? what? No, you're definitely uh, doing me and anyone who's listening a favor, I think. I appreciate that. I'm particularly excited to speak to you because you're actually one of the only people that I know who's actually taken advantage of a down payment assistance program. And I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit about your, your story in general, but also if we could spend some time to focus on that. Yeah, for sure. Happy to happy to share. What led you to... Well, actually, let's start with what type of property do you own? So I've only owned condos. I bought one uh, maybe 10 years ago with an ex-girlfriend and I used uh, RSP money to to purchase that property and uh, ended up getting back the down payment because things didn't work out and uh, she wanted to keep living there. So I essentially got bought out. So got back that portion plus whatever it had appreciated in value. And so, you know, that could be put aside to put on another property if, if need be, you know. Oh, I didn't know about this first property, actually. That's yeah. very cool. What year was that in? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> what year is it? You can do it. What, what year is it now? Um, <laughs> it's 2021. So it would have been like 20. Yeah, probably 10 years ago. So 2011. Yeah, we bought a condo. It was um, it was an existing building that got gutted, and then they made lofts out of it. So it was considered a new build. So right away, you know, you get a discount uh, for buying a new build, which I don't know if a lot of people know, but you get a rebate. I forget what the the percentage is, but you get a rebate there, and then you could use your first time home buyer to uh, to purchase the property, which is what I had done in that case. And it didn't matter that the building existed already. 
um, it was considered a new build. Cause I think if you, if you, if you're renovating like 90% of the, the structure, then it's considered a new build anyway. So, so with the, the home buyers program, did both you and your girlfriend at the time use the program or was it just one of you yourself that used it? Yeah, I think we both used it because it was it was both our first property. So like she had moved out of her parents' place and and was renting. I didn't believe in renting at the time. Um, lo and behold, I rented for <laughs> five years after that. But um, then she decided, like you know, she got out of her lease. She wanted to buy. So um, yeah, that was her first time buying a home. And and the program is great for that because you know you put aside all this money, and really the only time you could take it out is is um or at the time was when you retire uh, at 65 mm-hmm. or if you buy your first home so you know you've you've saved all this money maybe you got matched by your employer or or whatever and it's a great uh, incentive and and it helps a lot of people i think to to buy their first home how much were you allowed actually to take out of your RSP at that time do you remember um i feel like i had it was somewhere between 10 and 15 i think thousand okay awesome uh, which is like still really like a good chunk especially for the prices then i think yeah. now it's up to thirty five thousand that you can take out okay yeah which um, is which is helpful. enormous <laughs> so yeah like if you have two people there that could be a 20 percent down payment in some cases yeah exactly um so yeah it was, it was great. It's great. great to use it and you could and you could also pay it back slowly um, over, I think it was over 15 years you could pay it back. Yeah. So got to put that in with my taxes and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great program. Like I said, for, for anybody looking to buy their first home and, you know, people are doing it, I think younger and younger these days. So, um, at the time I was 26, 26. Yeah. 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 But I think that's like a, a good age to, to do it, you know, in terms of the, um, the credit that you got, the new build credit, was that something that your agent informed you about or how did you learn about these types of things and these programs? You know, like, let's say that I was someone just starting out and I just wanted to learn a little bit more about buying a house. Like, A, obviously I'd be listening to the podcast, but yeah. B, you know, where else could I look or, or where did you go to for resources? Yeah, it was really the salespeople at the office that had informed us. So it might be a bit different in my situation because, you know, it was a condo development project. Um, so it was like the first phase of the development and, you know, the salespeople there have all the ammo to be able to sell you on the, on the development, you know, and for a young couple who aren't, um, maybe familiar with the process or whatever, you know, it it might be a bit daunting with all the information out there, but you know, the salespeople there uh, knew about it and they were, uh, informing us of it. And I should, I should mention too, like that wasn't for investment properties. Like that discount isn't there for people who are looking to buy and rent right away. It's, it's really, if you're going to live there for at least one year, if you're not, then the rebate does not apply. I, I think this is how it works, but my understanding was you can't purchase it as a investment property and uh, still get the discount. The program that we're referring to here is through the SHTM in Montreal, which manages the XA Condo programs. And basically how it works is that there are projects that are designated as approved XA Condo projects. And when you purchase there, you have the option of applying to a standard or um, an exclusive program. And uh, you need to qualify or meet the qualifications. But for the standard program, they're really not very strict at all. 
and effectively what it is, is a purchase credit of 10% of the accredited condo price. And that percentage can be applied either to your down payment or it can come right off off the initial sales price. Um, So it's a really, really great opportunity to reduce uh, the mortgage loan or really to help people come up with that initial down payment. When you actually resell your condo, you would have repaid the SHDM, the purchase credit, as well as 10% of the increase in value of your property. It's almost like a joint investment with them. Like, let's say that uh, in order for you to purchase a property, you needed $100. Uh, I was going to give you 10% of that. So I gave you, you know, $10 and your $100. And over time, our joint investment became valued at $300. Uh, At that point, when you choose to sell that investment of ours then I would get back $30. So basically what I had initially given plus 10% of any uh, you know, accrued value in that property. So that's sort of um, how you can think of this working. So if we fast forward a couple of years and um, we'll kind of skip over the details of this part because I'm sorry to hear that. Or maybe I'm not sorry. I don't know. Maybe it's for the best that <laughs> you guys split up. Um, this is a real estate podcast, right? <laughs> we could always add, yeah, we'll have a side segment, coffee. But actually, that's, I, I mean, that's, that's probably a good future episode for you about maybe like, you know, breakups in real estate and all this It's stuff. a real thing. And it is a really real part of life, right? People yeah. invest together a lot of the time. And life happens and people part ways, whether it's amicable or not, you know, it's unfortunate, but at the same time, it is a reality. And that's kind of the point of the show. And and I mean, for me, like at the time, it was one of these things where, you know, that was like the next step in the relationship. And it made sense to to dive in and and see if it would work, you know, and, um, you know, I don't regret it. You don't know until you try. Yeah. I think the hardest part, if we just want to touch on that a little bit, is finding a fair value for your side, you know, because you're not staying there, right? So the person that's buying out the other person wants a good deal. And and so does the person having to leave the investment. How did you guys navigate that? Well, we got a real estate agent to appraise the property. Now, the real estate agent was a friend of my ex. So not that I didn't, it's not that I didn't trust her, but part of me was like, maybe we should have got somebody that was neutral and really unbiased and didn't know either one of us. Sure. I think that's a great piece of advice. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's that was a challenge. And then they come up with a price. And uh, at first, it was something that I didn't really agree on, you know, that I thought that the value of our property was higher than than the appraisal. Um, so you kind of have to land somewhere in the middle that makes sense for everybody. And then in the appraisal, like all the appliances get appraised into the value. And so, you know, that that was also something that had to be factored in and like, you know, why why should one person get all the, um, the appliances and the value of the yeah. appliances? You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it was one of these things. So we kind of just put the value on all the major things that we purchased in the condo. And then we like at at retail value, and then we divided it that way. You don't want to nickel and dime every like DVD and you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. But you take your stuff and then you divide the big things and you put it at retail value because things, you know, depreciate. And, um, and then you kind of come up with a number that that both people are happy with. And I think the best deal is one where both people think that they're they're losing, you know? Um that <laughs> someone told me that once and it kind of makes sense. It sounds you know? bizarre, but I think in that situation it doesn't Yeah. Make sense. Yeah, exactly. You kind of both 
you know, nobody feels like they're really getting the upper hand. And I think that's a fair, a really fair, fair deal for, for both sides. And it ended up working out in the end. So as part of the takeaway from this whole experience, a really important thing that you did mention was the unbiased, you know, hiring an unbiased uh, evaluator or appraiser. Um, so if you are going to be doing that, uh, it would be best to get, you know, an agent who's in the market now, who's kind of like selling like hot potatoes, et cetera, now. And you usually have to pay a fee for that. And an agent is likely to give you a fair market value for what it would actually sell for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that pl- that property was in like Dorval, Quebec, and uh, it was well located. We like we liked it, and uh, it made sense. And like I said, I ended up getting back the first time home buyer money that I had put into the property. It wasn't obviously not my intention there, but. Uh, <laughs> It's just the way it worked out. So that that freed up that cash to be invested elsewhere. Well, I really appreciate you sharing the details about that because A, I, I didn't know and I haven't gone through, you know, a breakup over real estate myself. Um, and I do think, you know, it's like we said, it's it sucks that it happens, but it happens all the time. And oh, yeah. Like over this year, especially with people locked in their houses together, a lot of the time, um, I've seen, unfortunately, like quite a few breakups come out of that. Uh, And a lot of them came with, you know, separation and of assets. And that's kind of something that I feel like a lot of people don't get to go through at a younger age. So thanks for sharing. Yeah, it kind of puts you through, like you said, especially now through the through a big test, right? Uh, relationship, see what it's see what it's made of, and um, yeah, you see, like I heard, like a lot of people are who are in the market to buy are purchasing larger places because they got to they have to coexist in a world where you know both people are working from home. They both need their their space. Um, you know, just just when you're locked up in 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 your home, you know, it's, it's not a bad idea. That's for sure. You know, to have the extra room or, um, so you can kind of like live independently and then come together, you know, after work hours or however that works out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So after that happened, you did pick up renting again, right? I did. Yeah. And you had mentioned that was for five years. So because you were separated and it had been, um, I think more than four years since you used your home buyers program initially, were you allowed to use it again for the next property? See, I didn't use it again. I didn't use it again. And I don't know. I, I don't know if I really looked into it that hard at the time. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not. I, but I remember like I just basically used the the money I got back from my first property to to purchase again. Uh, I, I think I also hadn't paid back the the, the original um uh, RSP okay. that I t- that I took out too. So I don't know if you have to pay it back in full before you can use it again. I'm not sure. Uh, like again, how that looks. So yeah, if you if you had more info info on that for me, that'd be that'd be helpful even for the next one. So yeah, sure, no yeah. problem. If you aren't familiar with the Canadian Home Buyers Program, it's a really excellent way to take advantage of some tax savings offered to us by the federal government. In order to participate, you need to have an RRSP, a registered retirement fund. And normally how those work is that you can contribute up to a maximum of your annual salary into your retirement fund each year. And that gets deducted from your taxable annual salary or your income. So you're paying less in income tax for the year that you're contributing. 
And the idea is that when you're retired, you will use that as a source of income. So you'll be taxed on that when you actually take it out of that fund. Um, Now, what the Canadian government allows you to do is to take up to $35,000 out of that fund and put it towards a home. What that does is it means that you're not paying income tax at any point uh, on those $35,000. So depending on the tax bracket you're in, that could be a substantial amount of savings for you. And then over the course of the next 15 years, um, again, that number could change, but right now it's 15 years, you need to pay that back to your RSP. So that in a nutshell is how the home buyers program works. Because uh, you ended up in a new build again, right? I did, yeah. And was that because of the last experience that you'd had? Did you just already know that there were incentives around that? Or did you just like the place that you found? Yeah, well, I was familiar with the with the project already. We got, we got you know, get the rebate for the new build again. And then you can you can rent it out after year one. I was familiar familiar with you know how they worked and everything and the development and developers. It was the same people, the same sales office, the same sales. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, they kind of they you know we knew when we bought the first place that they were gonna build around that building. Where I purchased was kind of in the lot next to it, which was a completely new build. Uh, I have a friend that that purchased. The same unit, but on the second level in the first building that I had purchased in, if you're following. Yeah. (laughs) And he was going to purchase again in this new building that was being put up. Um, And so, you know, we talk often and and I thought, you know, why not? It seems like a good investment. And at the time it was, um, I think both condos were like 200,000. Again, it's off it's out of the downtown core of Montreal. So, you know, Dorval's in like up and coming area with a lot of transit and possibilities there. So we thought it was a good place to to buy. And, and so I followed his lead and, and purchased, again, the same identical unit where actually our units are next to each other. So, so yeah, it kind of worked out that way. Glad we could clear that up. <laughs> yeah, me too. I've, I've never used it before, so I didn't know. And you're the only person I know who's taken advantage of that. Okay. Um, so yeah, I really, most of the people I speak to don't even know it exists or they've sort of heard about it, but don't understand how it works. Yeah. Um, so I'll put a link in the show notes to basically the page describing it. And there are actually two options. There's one that's like a standard program, um, which gives you up to 10% uh, or sorry, gives you 10%. And then there's an exclusive program, which is really more geared towards first time home buyers and families that could be 15%. Mm. But the 10% one is really open to anyone. You don't have to be a first time home buyer, but they sort of target that um, in terms of marketing and things, just because a lot of people, you know, when they're younger and they're starting out, it's harder to get that down payment a lot of the time. Right. And a really cool thing that I didn't realize uh, in talking to Justin and then asking Exit Condo is that you can actually use the program more than once. Um, It is, however, part of the kind of restrictions that you don't benefit from it simultaneously with more than one Exit Condo agreement. So it's uh, possible, I mean, the people who sold the condos to Justin obviously knew about these rules um, and it is possible that maybe it was paid back by the time um, he actually took out that second purchase. But effectively, when the agreement ends is when you either resell your property or at the end of the initial amortization loan, um, if you increase your mortgage loan or change like refinance your property, 
if you rent your property, which actually would terminate your agreement. So that must um, must have been what happened in Justin's case and or upon the repayment of the purchase credit, if you so decide. Again, I'm not an expert on these things. I just want you to know they exist. If you are not from Quebec or from Montreal, that is totally fine. Types of programs like this do exist kind of throughout the different provinces and even on a municipal level as well in some cases. So things like rebates of your welcome tax or your land transfer tax. And I just want you to know that they exist so that when you go to purchase your first or your next property that you are kind of, you know, you've got your toolbox with you of these different things that you can ask for and see where you can save money. That's really cool. I actually, uh, yeah, I wasn't fully familiar with how it worked at all. So, and I guess given that you haven't sold your property again, you haven't really run into that yet. No, not yet. No, I don't plan on it. Um, I kind of moved here. Jesus is becoming like a breakup podcast, but anyways, (laughs) (laughs) um, we've all got our fair share of stories. Don't worry. I was renting, I was renting my place out, uh, recently and the, the lease was up in, um, in December. And, uh, I was, I was actually renting with an, an, a different ex-girlfriend and, uh, like things didn't work out there. And so this place opened up for me to move, move back in. Um, so yeah, it kind of worked out perfectly and get to do some renovations in here too. So it's, uh, yeah, it was an, it's a nice, uh, landing spot for me. So if I get the timeline correctly, you, when you were younger, uh, you bought a place with your girlfriend at the time, lived there for several years together. Things didn't work out. She kept the place. You, she bought you out. You, uh, then rented for a while. Mm -hmm. Then you bought uh, a condo kind of right next to your old condo. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Through the same developer and the same program. Yeah. And then, okay. So actually, now that I'm hearing the story again, you actually used the uh, new build credit twice. Yeah, yeah, because they okay. were both new. They were both new builds. Yeah. So then, uh, in that new place, you then uh, meet girlfriend. We'll just call her girlfriend too, and you actually move out of your place and rent with her, and then lease your condo. Yeah, it was kind of like that. So, so like lived in the second condo. Uh, for the year, then, then like my sister needed a place. So my idea was to like, to rent it out. And so to get closer to downtown, I wanted to live downtown. Like I was single and, you know, it just had more happening down there. And so to comply with the, the rules, I, you know, lived in the condo after one year, moved downtown, my sister moved in here as my first tenant. Yeah. Which is perfect. And, you know, it's a nice intro to, um, yeah, to, sure. To landlord, yeah. Landlording. I like that. Yeah. And so she lived here for one year and then she moved out with her boyfriend. And anyways, that's when I got the for, <laughs> for year okay. three. But so in that time when I was out, I, you know, met my girlfriend or my ex-girlfriend. And then, so I was living at that place. And actually this is something I was thinking about and I kind of forgot about it, but I wanted to share anyways, like as a renter. Um, so the way it worked out was I was with my, my ex-girlfriend and we were, we decided we wanted to move in together and I had to break a lease in order to sign a new lease with her. 
my landlord was, you know, they operated like many different buildings and I didn't know the process, right? Like there's a whole process to this. And, and it's, it's, if you go to the, the Régie de Logement in Quebec, they'll educate you and tell you, you know, what's what. But I was kind of trying to work with my landlord on a human level, like a person, a personal level and, and to try and make it work. <laughs> That's kind of hard to do. Um, when you're working with a landlord that is actually an incorporation. Property manager. Yeah. I informed them that I wanted to move out and they told me this is the way it works. The best way is, well, either you pay pay us like three months rent to break your lease or you find a tenant and, uh, and you could do a lease transfer. So I'm like, okay, cool. So they send me this, they send me this form that they've, that they've built, like they've built a template uh, form for for future tenants with a bunch of requirements <clears throat> that was their own it was their own requirements so here i am i posted on marketplace kijiji craigslist wherever you can post your your place because i'm kind of in a pinch i got a, like a couple months um we have to sign a lease for the new place and make a commitment and uh, i didn't want to be stuck paying like two rents um yeah i can totally relate um, I broke a lease the first time I bought and I broke a lease the second time I bought. Yeah. And in both cases, I was living in um, a rental, obviously, and then chose to make that purchase at that time, my primary residence. And I did not want to cover a mortgage and uh, a rent at the same time. Right. And I did actually end up paying three months rent uh, in one of those situations. But uh, for the second one, I had to do what, what you were saying. And it was a similar story so far. So the whole process was pretty interesting. So they, so I was basically, you know, had tons of people that were interested and then they had to fill in this, um, this credit check that the landlord or, or management, you know, whoever was taking care of that was like analyzing and sending it in and then approving. Cause the way it works is like, they got to approve somebody mm-hmm. as far as I understood. Right. So as I'm going through this process, like people are sending, submitting their, their claim, like their, their paperwork and and uh, like at this point, it's the landlord that gets to, that is choosing who they who they deem fit. And I don't see any of the results in terms of credit check or anything like that. And I thought that's the that was the process. Now, what ended up happening was they they were like, OK, we like this this guy. Come to the office, sign the paperwork and, and it'll be done. What I didn't realize was behind the scenes, they were trying to resign him to a new lease. It wasn't a lease takeover, which would be much easier oh. for me. Yeah, they were trying to sign him to a brand new lease. This is interesting. They did the same thing in the building where we were because we actually had parking included in our lease and they were trying to sign the replacements onto a lease that didn't include the parking so that they could then charge them for the parking. Exactly. So they're taking they're taking advantage of the situation and they were actually charging him a new the new price, like the 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 future price, which which would have been, you know, a few months down the road instead of giving him the price that I had for the term that I had left, which Mm -hmm. makes it much more difficult. Anyways, I don't for whatever reason, I decide like I want to go to the signing as well. I didn't know how it worked. So I, I went to the office. We I was in the office. We waited for this guy. He's late for his appointment. They go, this guy's late. He's not serious. He's not, he doesn't want the place. Find someone else. And I'm like, well, let's wait to hear from the guy. Maybe his car broke down. Maybe maybe it's because I'm desperate at this point. You know, it's like I'm a month away from moving in. Finally, they've accepted somebody. 
And, you know, who knows? Anything can happen. So that's when I kind of put two and two together. They were trying to sign him to a new lease. Then they were saying, oh, this guy, we don't accept him now because uh, for untangible reasons. They clearly approved him. That's when I got upset. So I went to the Rigi and got the, the facts straight. And basically, as the rent as the renter, you can do all this work on your own. So you can do the credit checks on your own so you know if they're qualified or not. And it's up to you to provide the the renter uh, or the landlord a suitable replacement for you. Somebody that has a good credit, that credit check, and there's tons of companies that do these and you can get them back in a day. Um, and as long as you provide them with a a uh, suitable person that can replace you and can pay the rent and, and everything. Uh, you you give them the name and they have, I forget how, how long, I feel like it's 14 days uh, to give you a valid reason why they reject this person. And yeah, and it needs thing. to be a very strong reason of yeah, why they, as well. They were, they were rejecting him um, based on the fact that he missed his, his appointment, which isn't a valid reason. He missed his appointment. It happens. He, he then recontacted them and was like, listen, I want the apartment that like this, 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 and ha- happened. I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. And they didn't want to hear anything of it. It's not a valid reason. So what I ended up doing was I'm like, they, I knew they had already accepted him and they were willing to sign him as a, as a new, uh, replacement tenant. <laughs> So I sent them the name and I, I, so the Regie told me to do this. Make sure you send them an email with all the details, you know, uh, so-and-so uh, was accepted by you to, as a, as a, as a valid replacement to take over your, your lease. Uh, I am sending you this email on such and such a date. Uh, you have this amount of time to give me a valid reason why this guy is no longer a a good replacement for me. And what if, as long as you send that that piece of, it could be a letter, it could be like a, a registered letter, or whatever. Um, they give you the options actually, and you can find all this information on the the Regi website. But as long as you do that, they have a time limit, and they and then they can send you their reasoning. And up until that point, they had given me no reason to believe that he wouldn't be a good tenant. And so I knew that I was going to win the fight, you know, and in, and in between all this, they were trying to get me to pay a couple months rent or maybe one month more rent because they didn't want to lose some, you know, they didn't want to lose on the deal. Right. Um, which I thought was interesting. You know, they're like, we'll take you to court, blah, blah, blah. But I knew my rights as a renter. And they have rights as 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 uh, as ten, as um, as leasers too. Um, but once I figured that out, then I was able to navigate a little bit better. And I never heard back from them actually. So oh wow, I did not pay further. I provided them with a suitable replacement who they they, they did not accept. And then it was up to them to find somebody to replace me. But I thought the whole thing was interesting. I learned a lot from that process. But like you know, we have rights as as anybody renting out there who's who wants to break a lease, um, definitely go to the, the Régie de Logement and, and get your facts straight. And uh, it's pretty clear cut. There's not there's not a lot of loopholes, I'd say. And uh, yeah. as long as you follow the guidelines, you're, you're pretty safe. 
um, this is the keys to owning a podcast, but that is a really important part of it because in that transition, especially to owning your first property, if you are planning to live in it, this is a situation that could really happen to any of us. Um, it's happened to myself, not to that extreme, but it was a really uh, kind of a nightmare. We had found multiple good candidates. They were trying to reject them as well. Wonder if mm-hmm. it's the same company. Um, in most provinces in Canada, really, it is quite like renter oriented. Mm-hmm. And in Quebec, there are so many laws in place to really protect the renters. So if you are a landlord and you're, you know, hopefully, you know, when listening is trying to do kind of sleazy moves like that, but yeah. it's really important to know your rights as a landlord as well. But I'll say that that situation helped me with my last tenant. You know, I knew from my my renting experience that, you know, they raised the rent every every year on me, a certain percentage. And that was a big thing, you know, in my for my condo rental. I had someone else living here after my sister. It's a one year lease. You know, I was looking to increase it because I was undervalued, I think, in the rental market in our building. I knew like I had to give him three months notice to raise the rent, uh, which I which I did. And he didn't like that. He didn't like it at all. He he disagreed. He fought me on it. And I said, look, that's what it is. You have two options. You either agree to the amount. Uh, It wasn't a huge amount. It was very reasonable. Um, And if you don't like it, you need to give me notice so that I can find a replacement for you once your lease is up. But you're you are responsible until the end of your lease. So I was fully prepared for whatever to let me, because he had to give me notice too, like in terms of leaving. Now I gave him the increase. I think he gave it to him in September. So October would be three months. So he had like a month to let me know if he accepted the, the increase. And then if he didn't, then he'd have the three months notice to let me know. But he had to, I made it clear that he had to pay me till the end of December, which is the end of the term, right? As for as much as he fought me on it, it kind of, it still worked out because I, the, the rules were very clear. He sent me some things like, you're not allowed to do this, blah, blah, blah. And I just sent him, you know, links to the government website and it um, kind of quieted him a little bit. And uh, I was actually worried he might move out early or, or something like that. But, you know, w- again, I was well protected and, and was in within my rights as a, as a landlord, you know, stated all the facts and it ended up working out. Uh, but yeah. my experience as a renter helped me to deal with a renter, <laughs> which was good. Yeah. <laughs> as a piece of a kind of like takeaway advice for anyone who is listening, who's maybe new to being a landlord or is in one of those situations where they have to move out, just knowing where those resources are. Um, oh, wow. I just had a hiccup. It's really helpful. <laughs> um, so where did you access that information for anyone who's not familiar with it? You had mentioned like Régis de Langement, but for someone who is just starting out, like how did you come upon that? Did you Google something or whatever? Because in different provinces, it might be a different kind of board that's handling it, but I'm sure you're yeah. Googling similar things. Yeah, like, yeah, Google, um, you know, breaking a lease, you know, you get the the results, like it's going to lead you to the government site. And, um, but you can also like read like forums and, and, um, and hear stories like on how people have dealt with it and and what's normal, what's not normal, and this kind of thing, like what you're you're making available to people right now. 
So yeah, there's simple. also in Quebec, um, there's also an association for landlords here and most provinces have them. And if you ever run into issues like that and you don't find the rules you're looking for, you know, on some of the government websites, you can always join an association like that as well. They are generally paid. So it might be an annual fee of a couple hundred dollars a year. But if you are planning to be a landlord, especially if it's your first time, uh, it can often be worth it. Uh, if you're owning condos as well, another great place is the RGCQ which is specific to condo associations, but I have a membership for them as well. And they've been really great resources. If I ever have a question, I can just call them up and they can give you like real life examples. And they also have lawyers on call, et cetera. So uh, we can put links to those in the show too. But I think as a landlord, having that kind of team behind you, it Mm -hmm. can be really, really helpful. And the rules change from province to province as well. So having the team that knows that province with kind of like the jurisprudence or the examples can be huge. For sure. And I also say like, like in the terms of your lease, just, you know, make it clear that, you know, increases are are normal year after year. Doesn't mean you have to increase them, but, you know, most people, most landlords, I'd say do. And, uh, you know, it might be like 5% or it's, I think it's between like three and 5% or something like that. Yeah. Just so it's clear from the get go. Cause I, I think my, the, the person renting my place was caught off guard and that that's one thing that that can be sensitive for people, but at least sure. if they're, if they're aware of it, uh, you know, especially with price, you know, um, Definitely. As a piece of advice to someone who might be becoming a landlord, what would you suggest in terms of softening those conversations? So you just mentioned, you know, maybe making sure everything is upfront, making sure that your tenants are educated on the the sort of rules and regulations, laws, etc. before approaching the subject. Mm -hmm. Um, I think another thing that you mentioned, actually, sorry, I'm answering the question I asked you. (laughs) (laughs) for you. Um, But another thing that you had mentioned is actually sending links to the actual government documentation or the actual like legislation. Um, And I think that having that to fall back on or having the least to fall back on, always having something to fall back on is a really great way of keeping that relationship personal and on Mm -hmm. a human level to say, you know, we, if we look at our lease or if we look at the law or if we look at whatever, and you don't have to then be that face of, even though you wrote the lease, <laughs> but yeah. even, you know, you don't have to be that kind of negative face. You always have that contract to fall back on. I think it can really ease those conversations. Yeah. And also like, in, especially in a condo, there's a lot of rules and, and regulations for moving in, moving out, like fees, if you don't comply with, with certain things. And like, what, like another example was, um, there was a, like a, an alarm check, um, for every unit. So they had to come into the unit and check the that the alarm was working properly for everyone's safety for the bills the building safety and i had notified the tenant you know multiple times and i said listen let me know if you're not going to be there cuz i'll make arrangements you know um what i didn't tell him was that if you're not if you tell me you're going to be there and you're not there there's like a $350 fine that they're going to give us and you're responsible for that because if you tell me you're going to be there and you're not then it's I mean, what else can I do? You know, I can't. Yeah, you would have arranged to be there. So that was a big, big thing with us too. We could like, he's like, oh, I, it was never in our lease, uh, where you know. But it's like, buddy, like if they're, you know, I sent them, I sent them the actual letter that I received that stated in bold that you know there was this fine, and uh, he did not take responsibility in the slightest. I even offered to pay half for it. I ended up paying for the whole thing, which sucked. 
but a lesson learned, you know, like if you have a condo and there are these, these fees and these rules, you can also put that in there too. Like if we miss an appointment or we miss a meeting or something like that, that's out, totally out of my control. Yes. Yeah, and you think that's, yeah. that's a really good piece of advice. Something I implemented after I said, I'm allowed to go into my condo. It's mine. Uh, cause numerous times, like, I don't want you coming in here, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, I can give you 24 hour notice. I can come in whenever I want. And you don't want to be that, like that jerk, but you know, like it's your property. You have to protect your asset within reason. You know, you respect the person's privacy, but if you tell them in advance and you know, they, they acknowledge it, then, you know, you're, you're allowed to go in and it would have saved me, you know, $350 in that case. But listen, it's, uh, it's part of the learning process, right? So yeah, absolutely. Uh, at the end of each of the podcasts, I'd like to ask the um, the interviewee, the guest. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was stepping on the word guest. Yeah. Um, a couple of questions. If you could just give a little spotlight to any local business around your area or that you feel brings your city to life. Um, I just want to make sure that, you know, we're kind of supporting all those local businesses, small businesses out there. They really do kind of shape a neighborhood, right? So if I was to come and visit you, where's like one place that you say we absolutely have to visit? In Dorval, <laughs> non Solapane. Like I can't eat a lot of the stuff there because I'm, I'm vegan. So, but um, yeah, they got, it's like an Italian bakery. So they got, uh, they got all kinds of stuff there. Uh, you know, pizza, sandwiches, uh, you name it. It's like a little deli oh with, gosh, with all the good stuff and desserts and, and whatnot. Yeah, it's it's a good little spot and um, it's always it's always packed. So, you know, every time I ask this question, I think we're going to see more and more over the course of all of the episodes. But really, like I'm really seeing how much people miss restaurants and how much, you know, restaurants are really kind of a cornerstone of their experience in their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, people, yeah, it builds a neighborhood. It, you know, uh, these people are just like us. They're trying to survive and, and, and have their own little businesses. And a lot of times it's like coming from passion. So anything, anytime yeah, you can so cool. do your, you know, your career can be your passion. It's like, it's always a, a win for sure. And it comes through in their, in their businesses too. So eventually I want to have, um, like a little map sort of on a website that just highlights all of the different places that people mention as local businesses. Mm-hmm. For it's sure. a, it's a down the road thing. I'd love to know as well. What is your favorite part of being a property owner? It's, it's something, it's like a big part of somebody's life. I think, yeah, it's, it's like a foundation for you. It's a, it's a, a resting place. Like I love coming back and knowing that, like I have this place to call my own and, you know, make it my own and make it, make it for me, like customize it for me. Like I'm, you know, so it's, it's like this comfort that you have. And yeah, I, I, I haven't heard someone say that specifically as their answer before, but I can totally relate to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to take care of it too, you know? Yeah. It's fun to build something. I think like for me too, owning feels like building. Yeah. And for me personally, being like being from not this province, you know, my family is my home, if you will, is, you know, they speak a different language, different. It's just it's different. It's very far away from here. And I think that owning property here where I decided to sort of settle, if you will, I mean, I've been here 11 years, probably not temporary anymore. Um, I remember when I bought that first property, it felt finally like I had a home again. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's like something to hold on to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, last but not least, and we can end it off here. What advice would you give to someone trying to buy their very first property or first property that is a condo and or a rental kind of the or a new build? I'd say there's like there's tools you can use that that make make your life easier, like the ones we mentioned. I also think, you know, don't force it. Like we're saying too, you know, um, there's a time and a place for everything. Don't bite off more than you can chew. You don't know how things are going to go. Like, you don't know. It's hard to say, you know, like you, you might lose your job. You, there's just so many things. So make sure you're like, I mean, there's no perfect time for anything, but you know, try and do it at the right time for you and, and do something you're comfortable with within your budget. Um, don't reach too far. Don't, borrow too much, you know, you, there's always, there can always be another property, you know, maybe the first one you buy isn't going to be the property of your, of your dreams, but maybe it's just a a stepping stone. And I've seen that happen too, where people buy places that, you know, it's good for them at the time. And then five years down the road, they've, they've made money on it and then they could put it on to the next place. And if you could look at it that way, like the first one doesn't have to be your dream, but rather use it as like a building block to, to what you, what you want to achieve. And I think it's also a great way to invest your money. I think like I've invested my my money in, in far worse places and um, <laughs> it's hard to lose in real estate. You know, I think, you know, so many people get wrapped up in like, you know, like there's like Bitcoin and stocks and all this stuff. It's like, I feel like real estate's pretty safe. So you work hard for your, your money. And I think real estate, it's like often a big investment and a big purchase. But if you look at it in terms of like long term and if, if you're if you can be patient and you make a, the right purchase at the right time, then it can help your future, you know, so stay within your budget, stay within your means. These types of things are sort of the factors that can make it a very safe investment. You know, if you're an investor and you're trying to do flips, et cetera, you could definitely lose. But if you're just trying to find a place to live in, even if you don't make any profit on it, let's say in the future, you're not going to be losing money in most cases. Mm-hmm. That in itself can already save you so much money. Um, not only that, if by luck or by chance the the market goes up, You've got that as well. So yeah, like you mentioned, it's it is pretty tough to lose as long as you're staying within those means. I mean, if you go way over budget already, like from the get go, you could be kind of out of luck at the end. But yeah, like you might I break even, really you know? Yeah, at, exactly. At the, point, at the point of sale, but if you get like a really great deal, or if you're willing to put a little bit of love into a property, you know? Um, yeah, it could be a really, know, really lucrative investment for sure. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a total flip, but, you know, some like fresh coat of paint and, you know, clean up the, the landscaping and, you know, little things, little little touches and that can go a long way. Well, awesome, man. This was like, I learned so much actually just about you that I didn't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, whole history is, there. <laughs> thank you. This was so appreciated yeah thanks for having me again and uh yeah anytime uh if you need anything let me know okay i'm so nervous to press the leave recording because then it processes and if there's ever an error i'd be like (laughs) just gotta believe in the software i believe full faith okay we're doing it ready one two three bye bye Well, guys, we did it. We wrapped another episode here on the keys to owning. I still don't have an official outro for you, so uh, I will just say goodbye. I hope that you learned something in this episode and uh, obviously check out the show notes. You can reach us always at keys to owning on Instagram and uh, hope to see you in a couple of weeks.